0: Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February eleventh, two 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, Not hearing you there. No, we don't have you there. Let's see. Keep yeah. going. Uh, yeah. Nothing on you. Wow. You're dead. You Pushed in the back there. We'll try another channel here. See if we can't get you. How about? Uh, how about now?
2: Testing, testing. There you are. Testing. good okay. yeah.
1: There. Okay. Uh, well, uh, we're glad that you are. here Yeah. Now. I am here. Yeah. I didn't think you were going to be here. Yeah. I was going to go home. Yeah. All right. Uh. Look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at com in the chat room tonight if you're watching us live on the program and an important topic for us to consider tonight.
2: We're going to start a a subject that will probably take us at least two weeks to cover, maybe a little longer. Uh, We want to talk about people's various stages of marriage, what condition they might be. I called it marital status for want of a better subject. Uh, we want to cover things like people who've never been married. What are some of the considerations, especially of those who are looking for a mate? What about people who are newly married? What about people who've been married for a long, long time? What does the Bible say to people in those kind of circumstances? We also want to talk, we'll talk briefly as we go through this study, but again, we're not going to get to this tonight, but we're going to talk about what does the Bible say to those who, who are widows or widowers? Uh, and then we want to deal again, as we have several times in the past, we want to deal with the unfortunate subject of divorce and what the Bible says about
0: divorce.
1: Okay, and so this is a uh, a rare occurrence, but it has happened before. A multi hour discussion, yeah. not tonight, but over the course of the next few weeks.
2: Yeah, because uh, while these are all, all these subjects are all related in in the sense of they they are connected through the concept of marriage. There, there's really these are people in different stages of life with different uh, uh, things to consider, different Certainly. different teachings that apply to them.
1: Certainly, and uh, the, the scriptures address them all. Uh, whatever state we may find ourselves, the scriptures give us principles, give us uh, instructions, give us comfort uh, for dealing with the situation we may find ourselves in. And so, we want to, it is important that we look at those. Again, this will not be a discussion that excludes anyone, but it.
2: Hopefully we can. Hopefully we're going to. Before we get done with this, we're going to have covered every cons, every possible scenario of a person in regards to where he or she stands relative to the subject of marriage. Okay. All right. We'll look forward to that marital history.
1: status.
2: Marital status. That's what we're calling it. I don't know if that's a good topic or not, but that's what we're going to call
1: it. All right. We'll call it marital status, and we'll take your thoughts at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven on that subject tonight. All right, um, to,
2: uh, by the way, we don't even have to go to this, but we, we did send out this this update topic to our update list earlier today so that you knew where we were going with this. Uh, we don't talk about it very often, but we do have a Facebook page, uh, Virtual Bible Study, not the Virtual Bible Study, just look for Virtual Bible Study on okay. Facebook. And then we also, of course... Uh, have a Twitter account, and you know I actually forgot to give a get, put out an update on our Twitter account today. But we are at VBS Questions on Twitter okay. at VBS Questions, and so you can get the updates from us in that way. All right. Uh, so I asked the questions to our update list. If you're not on that list, send us an email. Put me on the list. We'll do that. Uh, but I asked what we're going to cover tonight. Number one, what does the Bible, what does the, God's word say to those who have never been married? Especially, what does it instruct concerning looking for a mate what you should you be looking for okay and then secondly what important principles does the bible set forth for those who are newly married those are the topics we want to try to cover tonight
1: all right look forward to hearing from you eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven tonight about those who beginning with never been married
2: yeah um you know the the word of god says in proverbs chapter 18 verse 22 whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the lord uh so it's a good thing to be married uh it's uh, the, the marriage institution is a blessing god uh you're, i'm cutting in now i'm back in testing testing okay um uh, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18, verse 22. So it's a good thing uh, to be married. But also the idea of whoso findeth a wife suggests that you need to diligently search to find a good wife. Uh, they're, they're, that's not a given. You know, That's not just saying that every person who's married, everybody, everybody who, every man who married a wife, he got into a good situation and it's all wonderful. Because that's not the case. You have to find a wife. You have to find the right kind of wife, and I think the scriptures speak to those who have not been married with advice about what you should do as you seek a mate. Yep. And uh, we need to we need to think about that uh, in in regards to advising uh, you typically, although not always, but typically talking to young people uh, as they contemplate marriage and who they might marry and so forth. But a lot of older people get married too.
1: You talked about finding a good wife. And uh, you don't have to look much farther in the book of Proverbs to find other passages that would talk about the perils of finding one who's not. And it would also uh, uh, apply to a bad husband or a bad wife. Uh, for instance, Proverbs 21, verse 9, It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than in, with a brawling woman in a wide house. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, And there's
2: and unfortunately, there's people who could confirm that (laughs) truth, uh, you know, because they got into a bad situation. They didn't do their work carefully uh, when they were looking for a mate and they got a bad mate. Uh, You know, the Bible actually has a lot of examples of of people, both good and bad, who sought out a mate. I'm thinking of Samson, you know, Uh, Abraham was concerned about finding a wife for his son, Isaac. Jacob and Rebekah were concerned, uh, you know, uh, 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 Jacob was uh, particularly concerned. Rebekah was concerned for her son Jacob to find the right kind of wife. Uh, We read about such things in the book of Ruth, beautiful book of Ruth. Uh, The Song of Solomon talks about the romantic relationship between a man and a woman. And so there's just there's a lot of instruction in the Bible uh, about that sort of
1: thing. Right. People looking for a wife. And I guess we should probably back up and and note that it's not a sin to be single, and uh, and and there are worse things than being single. we yeah. talked about uh, about those here, but uh, that's a, that's a fundamental thing that we need to understand: is it's not a sin. In fact, it's commanded for some, and some it's a chosen lifestyle for various reasons to be unmarried. You unmarried mean. to yeah. be single. Matthew chapter nineteen, verses eleven and twelve talk about that.
2: There are some uh, people who are not when you not say eligible, not eligible to be married. Not yeah. eligible.
1: There are some who may choose that lifestyle, uh, and so uh, for various reasons, maybe some uh, reasons, maybe purely personal, but are, are preference preferential. But other reasons, maybe uh, for scriptural reasons, that may choose that. Not, it's not a mandate, but it may be a choice. That's that's okay. But some go to some go into this uh, looking for a mate as if. The whole world will come to an end if they don't find one, and they'll settle for whatever they can find.
2: Yeah, one of the points I wanted to make—I was going to make it later—but let's make it right now. Is and that is that it would be better not to be married ever than to be married to the wrong person. Right. You know, that's—I think that's a biblical truth. It's—it's it, it, it's hard. I know it's hard for people who are in that circumstance to accept that as being a reality, but it is. You mean you look at some people who are in a bad marriage, and you look at the heartache they're going through, and. They would tell you I'd rather not be married than in this. You know. So uh I th- I think that is true.
1: All right. Uh look forward to your thoughts tonight. If you have any, share them as we talk about this. Uh Joe um uh, in West Virginia says, when looking for a spouse, look for someone w- of like spiritual beliefs. I think that's uh, important. And discuss the long term commitments to Christ before the marriage, uh studying together the fifth chapter of Ephesians. Thank you for that, Joe.
2: Yeah. Uh we got an email. I want to get to the, to this statement uh, early. We got an email from our friend Chris in, in England. We haven't heard from him for several weeks, yeah, maybe a couple you, months. Good to hear from you, Chris. And he says, what what would those who never have been married, what should they be advised? Uh, well, that the marriage bed is undefiled. In other words, this. And I think his point here is this is God's plan for the fulfillment of human needs and desires know if that's the place to address these specific human needs he says he goes on to say we can't call it what we want it is for this reason that a man should leave his parents and be joined to his wife we are not to road test the relationship before our marriage to see if we are compatible the union is only for marriage and we should awaken desire and we should
1: Do not uh, I should I think.
2: not awaken desire before it's due time uh, he said, "I hinted at it, but what do advocates for marriage equality do with a very simple question? For heterosexual marriage, uh, this is easily, but this is easy, but it's two because that's the number of genders. You know where it says two become one flesh." Yeah. He says it's two because the number of genders, but to, but to those, why not? those marriage equality people i guess why not two or three or four or five and i think that's really uh an an important point uh, we won't get off into that too much but if we're going to redefine marriage you can you can make it whatever you want yeah. you know if you're if you if you if you think man has the right to redefine what marriage is then there's no limits
1: yeah
2: uh, and that's one of the, the problems that's the that's the pandora's box so to speak that's been opened by our government uh by trying to Redefine marriage, but he says uh, concerning those looking for a mate, he says, "Do not be unequally yoked together. Light cannot have fellowship with darkness. They should have the same goals, passions, aims as you. How can two walk together if they're not agreed?" I think you're right on those things, Chris. You thank know, you, Chris, for this. You know, the the idea for those who are looking for a mate is not just to be married, not just to stay married. Uh, I saw a statistic once that says, like. Over 90% of Americans are married at some point in their lives. Staying together happily is the real objective. Uh, 40% of all marriages, 40% plus of all marriages end in divorce. So it's not hard to get married. It's harder to stay married and stay happily married. Uh, uh, And that's what God wants. Uh, I saw another poll recently, Jacob, that said 50% of women say, they would not marry the same man again if they had the choice.
1: Wow, that's scary. I hope it? they didn't pull our one <laughs> yeah.
2: but but you know that tells you how unhappy people are, how un- yeah. un- unhappy people get in their marriage situations. and so
1: well I think the expectations of for folks looking for a spouse is probably skewed by Hollywood and by media today. I think the idea of of this looking for a mate is you'll just find someone that's perfect for you. And you'll get married and there'll be butterflies and rainbows and everything's going to be perfect the whole the whole time. I don't know that there's ever been a marriage that was like that. Yeah. You've got two people that are imperfect trying to live their lives together and there's going to be bumps in the road.
2: Yeah. And it's going to take work. I think that's right. But how uh, the question then is, are we the kind of people who will put forth the work in order to make it happen? You know, and we need both parties to do that. Uh, the outcome of marriage depends upon the the character of the of both parties involved in marriage, and that's the point. That's the first point I wanted to go to. Is if, if when you're thinking about being married, think about yourself first. You need to be such a person who who, who has and is known for a godly character, a good name. You know, the scripture says Proverbs 22:1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. So you know you got to have a good name, you got to develop a good How am I going to attract a, a the right kind of wife if I'm not the right kind of person myself? You know, right. I I'm wanting a wife who's godly and chaste and modest who who doesn't who hasn't done bad things in her past and uh who has high ideals and morals. Uh, but, oh, but, but for me, you yeah. know, I I'm out running around with yeah. the guys I'd like getting... to find,
1: I'd like to find a woman like that who's interested in a, a drunk carouser. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's not, not going to happen. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> not going to happen. happen. Yeah. yeah. So what you're saying is, make get your get your house in order yeah. before you go searching for this mate. Or while you're doing that, make sure that you're lit, you're the kind of person you need to be right here and now. Yeah, I think I,
2: I think that's key. Okay. Uh, a famous passage to young people is Ecclesiastes 11, beginning verse nine, runs into chapter 12. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thy heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou. That for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. And then it goes on to say, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. you got to take care, have a have a good uh, character, be known for a good character. I mentioned earlier the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, you know, she was a widow, uh, but she needed a mate. So she was looking for a mate from the widow's perspective. We're going to talk more about widows uh, late uh, in, in our continuing study but uh boaz the man that she was sort of hoping would be her eventual husband said to her and this is ruth chapter 3 verse 11 all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman so boaz was interested in her actually you know that's in the that's sort of in the context of boaz saying yeah i'd be interested in marrying you right right but the reason he was was because she had made herself known to be a
1: virtuous she woman. She had that reputation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and so uh yeah, certainly so. We've got to make sure that we are living the life that we should, developing that reputation. Okay. And, and that's huge. I mean what you're saying there is huge. If if you want to find the the kind of spouse that you need, then the way that you live your life and the reputation you you set is going to be crucial in that. As old folks Watching young folks, how often do you see maybe a single guy and a single girl and you say well he wouldn't be interested in her she's not spiritually minded
2: or, or vice versa or yeah. vice versa yeah. she
1: she wouldn't be interested in him he's not what he needs to be yeah you can see that on the from the outside yeah, you know
2: you don't even have to be real perceptive you can pick up on that pretty fast right. they're just not they're just not of the same character
1: right and so if you want that 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 person that you need then you need to be the kind of person you you should be uh, right here and right now all right, uh, in the chat room, well, we got, we're got. we going to have to get a break before we get to the chat room. We'll take a break. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. What about this idea of, of speaking of a spouse, never being married? What do the scriptures teach? What can we learn? For those who have never been married, let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The verse Bible Study continues right after this.
0: After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time.
2: Here's some quotes worth pondering. If you don't want the fruits of sin, stay out of the devil's orchard. He who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. The person who does things that count usually doesn't stop to count them. Laziness and poverty are cousins. We should live our lives by design rather than by default. What you're doing today is what you are becoming. Successfully serving God requires making religion the main business of your life. Man, wish I'd said that.
0: Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible we're study. the
1: program tonight as we talk about uh, God's instruction for us, regardless of our marital status. So we're talking about those who are unmarried here at the beginning of the program. We'll to get to those who are newly married as we go along. And uh, in the chat room, Timothy says, it's very important to marry a Christian to help you get to heaven. I want you to be free from anxieties, the unmarried man is anxious He's quoting
2: of, from First Corinthians seven. Yeah, there,
1: yes, the unmarried man is anxious about things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married is anxious about worldly things, how he to, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, uh, not to be holy and uh, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Uh, I say this uh, for your benefit. Uh, so uh, and not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. First Corinthians seven thirty-two through thirty-five. Um, so, so,
2: but the, the the gist of that is, you know, I, I don't even know that that is a directly applicable to what we're saying. Paul was saying under the present distress, uh, they were under a great persecution there, and that's why he's talking about First Corinthians seven. He said in that situation, it'd be better not to be married because if you're married, you're gonna have to be concerned about your mate not bad to be concerned about your mate, but if you didn't have a mate, you know, if someone was holding a gun to your head and saying, are you a Christian? Because if you say you're a Christian,
1: yeah.
2: I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill your wife. Yeah. You know, that'd be harder to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if I didn't have the wife over there and he couldn't threaten her, he just pointing a gun at my head, I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not ashamed to say so. It, that'd be an easier confession than if I had to worry about my wife. Yeah. You know, maybe suffering the persecution. Now, not to say that you could ever deny the Lord, but he, that's, I think that's the point that Paul's making. So he's that saying, it is,
1: number one, it's not a sin to be single. Number two, there may be a, a circumstances where you choose to remain single. Yeah. Even if there's not persecution, you can envision things that would be easier if you were not married. I mean, if you wanted, if there were perhaps evangelistic opportunities that you could fulfill in some type of situation that would be challenging or difficult. Certainly that might be, it might be easier to do that as a single person whether male or female, than it would be if you had a family to consider. Yeah. Uh, and so certainly things to consider. Uh, Kevin says, what is someone seeking? Looking at Look at their desires before marriage to understand if their foremost goal is to serve God. All other aspects of life fall into place after that. I think that's right. Kevin's comments are good. That's right. He,
2: we missed one from Joe there. Discuss long-term commitments to Christ before marriage, studying together the fifth chapter of Ephesians. Joe, re, just recently I was talking to a young man who, who's, uh, interested in a young lady who's not a Christian? He's a Christian, she's not. I said, you got. I said, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to have some interest in such a person and maybe find out if there's a, a future with that individual. But but the thing you got to be looking at right now is is she inclined to be submissive to the will of God in her life? And if you, and and you need to be picking up those vibes real early because if she's not interested in godly things, you need to walk away. Runaway, yeah, uh, and there's
1: not there's not going to be a switch that happens uh, when she's, she or he says I do, and right. all of a sudden now they're interested in spiritual things. As yeah. Kevin said, you can tell before that question even comes into play. What are their priorities?
2: Tim mentions in the chat room. Dave Ramsey mentions the top reasons for divorce: money problems, religious affiliation differences. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know I didn't know Dave Ramsey was on that, but that, that make I think
1: he's right about that. Probably, yeah. Um, And Anthony says, it's scary how fast some run into marriage. There are so many discussions that ideally should be had. Absolutely. Certainly it is. And it is amazing how flippantly some approach that uh, covenant in our society today. That's amazing. Uh, Kevin again says, it is interesting that God's word makes provision for both choices, single or married. Again, God gives us choice in this matter like in other areas. However, in these choices, we have ability to successfully serve the creator either way. And that's something we need to remember. And as Kevin has alluded to here, we can serve the Creator either way. And so, if we find ourselves having never been married or single, we can serve the Lord there, and we need to be serving the Lord. Don't wait. Oh, there are lots of things I'm going to do once I get married. Yeah. Start now. Yeah. Uh, serve God in your in your. In your
2: uh, Joe uh, in West Virginia makes a point. He says uh, two can grow into different people, and I think that's true. He says both will adjust many things to please the other or it will be a rocky ride. Even spiritually, one hopefully grows as a more faithful servant of Christ in the new marriage as one helps the other to study and pray. And I think that's right. You know, that's one of the things you ought to be looking for in a mate. I'm I'm a Christian, but I'm looking for a mate who will help me be a better Christian. That's a a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. That, There's nothing wrong with that. But the, the problem is if this person that I'm thinking about marrying, if a Christian at all is not a strong Christian, the chances are great that the weaker one or the non-Christian will pull me down instead of me pulling them up. You know, there's the old illustration, I know everybody's heard it, you know, uh, the, the, this young lady was thinking about marrying a boy who wasn't a Christian, yeah. and she asked the preacher what he thought about it, and he, he didn't answer. He just asked her to step up on a stool, and she stepped up on a stool, and he said, now pull me up there with you. And, of course, she couldn't do it. And, but he just gave a slight, easy little tug and pulled her right off the stool. You know, yep. it's easier to pull someone down than to pull someone up was the yep. point he was making, and and that is true.
1: Yep. Kevin says, uh, be the person now that you need to be. Rather than hoping that you or your spouse might grow into something later, they, we might not grow in a manner that pleases God. And so sure. do everything you can to be the person you need to be right now as a single person. And uh, Joe says, the two cannot help but to grow into a different person. Both will adjust many things to please the other one, or it will be rocky, even spiritually. One hopefully grows as a more faithful servant of Christ in the new marriage, as one helps the other in study and prayers, um, and then Timothy says, "My parents are baby boomers, being born in, from 1945 to 1955. This generation developed a me-first attitude. In the 50s, Gerber was created. 60s, car hops and fast food were invented. 70s, community colleges started. 80s, home loans increased exponentially. 90s, bankruptcies surpassed college student graduates, and in the 2000s, 50." percent of marriages in divorce certainly things have changed yeah in, in our society exactly okay
2: all right so okay. I thought all good comments and I think it's clear that people have a lot of uh, uh, have put a lot of thought into this big problem finding the right kind of a mate you've got to... so w- we said and this sort of sparked all these comments in the chat room be the right kind of person yourself and then look for the right kind of person but think about this <clears throat> we're where am I going to find this person? I'm going to choose a mate from the people that I'm associating with, right? Right. You know, in other words, uh, m- my circle of friends, the people I hang out with, the the people I associate with on a regular basis, that's very likely going to be the pool of people from which I choose a mate. Right. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to marry a stranger off the street. You know, it's going to be someone that I've had in the situation that I put myself in the situation to know and to be around. Uh, therefore, I need to choose to be around godly people. Yeah, uh, I knew I knew a young lady once, uh, and she was a Christian. She wasn't a strong Christian, and she met this guy, and well, they started talking about marriage, you know. But he wasn't a Christian, and uh, uh, and I don't know how it came out in the course of discussion. And I said, "Well, where did you meet him?" She, said, she met him at a bar. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I met my prospective mate at a bar. What do I think? What do I think? The probably outcome. That's probably not going to end well. Yeah, Uh, and she was Christian, and she she knew way better than that, you know. Uh, But again, you're going to so you know the old the uh, the old standby verse there is First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. And the New American Standard version says, "Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals." I got to be around good people if I expect to find a good mate.
1: Right. All right. Excellent. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three has to put, come into play here, as we think about uh, seeking a spouse.
2: And then you know, several have already mentioned this. Be a, you, you be a Christian and you choose to marry a Christian. Now, there's a verse that we should comment about here. If I'm, how much time we got? Yeah, Just a couple minutes. Our listeners
1: have already alluded to this verse.
2: Yeah. Second uh, Corinthians six verse fourteen says, "Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness?" That's Second Corinthians six fourteen. That that passage is the context of that passage is not specifically about marriage. No, you know, unfortunately, I, that's usually the only application that people want to make of no, the verse. Right, and that's not in the context right. of Second Corinthians six. It, but it but you certainly could get into an unequal yoke in marriage. And marriage could be an unequal yoke.
1: And I don't know if there's a relationship that would lend itself more likely to being an unequal lo- yoke than yeah. marriage. I mean, exactly you, can you think of anything no. else that would be more likely an un- no. unequal yoke?
2: But, but be aware that that's not the specific application that Paul was making when he made yeah. that statement right. by inspiration. But I, do, I think it does have application to marriage. Uh, and a Christian who would contemplate marrying someone who's not a Christian has to take that into account, This that it almost... Certainly will become an unequal yoke. Yeah, uh, I want to go to church on the Lord's day, but my mate wants to go to the lake and go fishing. Uh, I want to contribute of the of the money I've, uh, I've earned, but my mate says I I can't because we've got a big house payment.
1: I want to. We we're going to think about what we're going to do for entertainment for recreation, and he's he's wanting to go to
2: R-rated movies,
1: and I can't. I, I have a problem with that. And
2: I want to raise our kids. I want to take them to church uh, on a regular basis and teach them their Bible lessons, and he wants them to, to be at the ball game. Yeah. You know when I want them to be at church. What do you, what do we got there? What do we got going on? A badly unequal yoke. Yeah. And w- Christians got to think about that.
1: Yeah. Yes. Joe says Second Corinthians six principle does apply to marriage partnerships etc. as and as a general principle. It absolutely does. It does apply to marriages. Uh. And uh, but it's not limited to that. I don't think it necessarily would be a blanket condemnation against a Christian marrying a non-Christian. Yeah, I I get in trouble with this. You could somehow formulate a situation where it it wasn't an unequal yoke, but it'd be awful hard.
2: Yeah, Uh, and and I never would advise a Christian to marry someone who's not a Christian. Never. I would never. In fact, I would strongly urge them not to, but I don't think that I could use that verse and say it would be an outright sin to marry a non-Christian because it... Might not be an unequal yoke. You might you might find the guy who says, "Yeah, take the kids
1: to church. Uh, Here's the money. Here's the
2: checkbook. Right, however much you want. You know, all those things we just said. You might find a guy. I just not not going to do it myself, but I want
1: you to do it all the (laughs) way. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So,
2: I think the big problem, and we won't we won't go go any further off into this. We've dealt with it before in the virtual Bible study. But the big problem is, what if I'm in that marriage, and you know, what if I did marry the guy? What do I do now? You know if i if i sinned by marrying okay, him right. how do i repent of that sin do i divorce him oh oh now now we now we're getting way ahead of ourselves but now we got the divorce issue can i divorce for that can if i did could i marry someone else all kinds of problems you know uh i don't think that the verse says it's a sin for a christian to marry a non-christian but it sure is telling a christian you have got to have your eyes wide open about this
1: uh going in all right Time for our break with our bullet point when we get back. Some more things to talk about, but we need to get to the discussion about those who are newly married. Um, And there's probably going to be some old married folks here who have lots of advice to say about that. Yeah. Uh, When we get back, we'll get into that discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this.
0: Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this.
2: This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. God's Word makes a pretty simple statement about the physical necessities of life. In 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 we read, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. While this statement is largely ignored in our progressive welfare society, it is nonetheless the will of God. We wonder when our political leaders will learn that God's plan is right and that it is the only workable plan to solve our nation's welfare problem. While most of us can see this point in regards to physical matters, it appears that there are some people, even some Christians, who need to realize that a similar truth applies in the spiritual realm. Simply put, don't expect help from God or from other people for the problems in your life when you're unwilling to work as hard as possible to solve your own problems. Certainly, we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6, verse 2. But the same passage teaches us that, quote, every man shall bear his own burden, verse 5. Stated bluntly, stop expecting others to rush to your assistance when you do nothing to help yourself. We've learned from our troubled welfare system that you can't really help people who won't help themselves. The same is true when folks won't help themselves spiritually.
0: That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
1: My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it.
0: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. back on
1: the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We encourage you to find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. That's one way to find out about us, but it's not the best way. The best way is to visit with us, find out where we meet and what time we assemble at the virtual Bible study. We're well, glad you're with us tonight. We haven't even introduced Kyle, who's behind the board tonight. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be. It's always good to we be. look forward to If you've got any comments, raising your hand and uh, letting us Thank, know. Thanks
2: for being here, Kyle. Yeah,
1: Kyle's a standby here for us, always here to help us. Uh, um, yeah.
2: Uh, the one more thing I want to, the point we want to make before we move on to talk about those who are newly married, uh, for those who are looking for a mate, understand that you're looking for a mate for life. You know, that that is not typical in our modern culture. Uh, but God's word certainly teaches marriage should be one man, one woman for life. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 19, 6, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Uh, it, it, that's not what God wants. God wants permanent marriages. Uh, Romans 7, beginning verse 2 says, For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. God's plan is permanency in marriage, but unfortunately, in our in our world, uh, you know, ah, well, we were just married a couple of years ago, but we're not getting along too good, and I'm a, I'm not interested in fighting it through. I'm out of here. You yeah, know? right. If it's not if it's not what I want, and if I'm not happy in it, why should I stay with it? I'm I'm getting out. You know, and that's the way. The the modern world looks at marriage. a lot
1: of, and and they go into marriage with the understanding that if it doesn't work out, I'll just, i you know, I just sort of like a job, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take this job. And if it doesn't work out, I'll find another one.
2: Yeah, and and in fact, it's so bad now that a, a high percentage of people are not even making the commitment of marriage, right? Because Cause that makes it real easy to walk away. You know, I'm not, ma- I'm living with this woman, but I'm not married to her. And right. I will tell you, she burns the biscuits, I'm gone. Right. You know, I'm not putting up with that. Right. Well, I don't have to. Right. right? Alright. Uh, in, in the chat room, uh, Joe's gone in, uh, Joe thinks it is a sin for, uh, a Christian to marry a non-Christian. Uh, he says, if a Christian and a sinner, if a Christian and a sinner do enter into the covenant of marriage, it is still a marriage in the eyes of God, but the point can be made from Second Corinthians 6 to teach us against such, and likewise we as ministers should discourage such by. I, I certainly discourage it, Joe. I want you to know that. I would, I strongly, uh, encourage Christians to marry Christians, but uh, I, I do think that there's a problem if we force that verse to say it's a sin for a Christian to marry a Christian. Then you got you got to come up with how do you repent of that sin? If it's a sin to establish that relationship, can I stay in that relationship if it was sinful to establish that relationship? I'm in an un, in other words, if be not present tense, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What do I do? you know if i'm if if the marriage is a yoke necessarily an unequal yoke and i'm in it that's telling me be not in it and i think you got a i think you got a question there uh, that's not answered but it's a question about uh can you divorce? i don't think so but i think that's the problem with forcing that verse to say it is absolutely a sin for a christian to marry a non-christian
1: timothy says money religion kids and in-laws are the four things to talk about before marriage Okay, here he said money, religion, kids and in-laws. The good news is this, knowing the four main problem areas for marriage gives you the opportunity to focus on them before you ever walk down the aisle. You can turn what are trouble spots for most people into areas of strength and success that will hold you together for a lifetime. He quotes that from Dave Ramsey's article Search 4 Things from Art, Dave Ramsey's article Search 4 Things to talk about before marriage. And Tim, and Joe says, "Tim, before I married, over 40 years ago my dad told me son you are ma- you uh, when you marry her you're marrying her family. There you go Joe. Yeah, yeah. it's right. It's true. Yeah. And um, and Timothy says uh, Paul s- uh, says to stay with the unbeliever if they will have you Timothy says. Right,
2: that's right. First Corinthians 7.
1: And Kevin says of the almost 4 billion members of the opposite sex on this planet you have just one decision about a mate, make the right decision. Uh, so Joe, uh, Kevin's saying we got a pretty daunting task there. Uh, to make the right decision.
2: Yeah. All right. And then then I want to conclude one more time uh, what we said earlier in regards to those who've never been married and who are looking for a mate. Remember this very serious and truthful statement. It'd be better never to marry than to marry the wrong person. Don't make the mistake of just marrying whoever because you want to be married. You can't do that.
1: All right. Well, I think we've uh, touched that. Uh, well, and we haven't. We, we've barely touched the surface on that. We could talk for much more time about that. But yeah. uh, some things to consider, and maybe you've got other things you'd like to share. You can share them in the chat room as we go along here in the next part yeah, of the but discussion tonight. But we've got to move on.
2: We've got another another segment of this that we announced we were going to try to cover tonight. No, remember now this is a this is an ongoing study, probably for at least for next week and maybe beyond that. We're calling it marital status, for want of a better word. We talked about the status of those who've never been married. Yeah. And especially in regards to what should they be looking for in a mate. Now we want to talk, what would the Bible say to those who are newly married? Newly married. What does the Bible say to them?
1: All right. Well, Get in line here in the chat room to share your thoughts. All right. What are some things to remember as newlyweds?
2: I, I want to read Chris's email from England. He says, Your marriage should be one of selfless devotion as that relationship should reflect the love of Christ has for the church. And it needs to recognize always its chief head that of Christ uh, should be held in high regard, not one just for human desires, but markedly marked by sobriety. Also, there's a reason it's called a private life is not for common discussion or as a way to put the other down, but a thing to be treasured and kept secret Also, you don't need to go elsewhere. Apologies if this is crude, but pornography is akin to peeping Tom into other people's bedrooms, and such is totally unacceptable as a practice. So for the newly married selfless devotion, he says. Yep. uh, um, Keep Christ as the head. Keep Christ as the head. Keep your private things private between you as husband and wife. That's not to be shared or talked about. I think that I I didn't really think about making that point. But I do know I have known of couples who, you know, I think cross that line. Right. There's a mistake. Mm -hmm. And then he warns about pornography. We just recently had a whole program on pornography. But but I think that and I got to tell you, unfortunately, I've known of some relatively young married people who have really, really had big issues because the husband wasn't disciplining himself about looking at pornography. Right. That's a that's a growing problem. Right. So I would agree with, right. with uh, Chris about that.
1: All right. Thank you, Chris, for your comments.
2: Okay. Uh, you, now, all, you all in the chat room, join in. What would you tell some newly married... Uh, people, what kind of things uh, have do they have to to do?
1: We got you some know. folks in there that definitely are not newly married, so uh, yeah, you've got you got some have, experience on you your have side. So experience, in. Uh,
2: but I would uh, something that Chris touched on there about keeping Christ as the head, Pr- prioritize the Lord first and most important.
1: Make that the foundation that you begin to build your marriage on.
2: Yeah, uh, we know all the verses like Matthew six thirty three, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But notice this, notice this statement from Jesus, Luke 14, 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, yea, he can't, yea in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Notice the wife is one of those, no words, my love for, for the Lord is so great that nothing, the, my love for no one else can be compared to it. Yeah. I think that's the principle of Jesus. Yeah. He's stated.
1: definitely saying, don't hate your spouse. because In other passages, he's he says he it to love our spouse. But my
2: my love and devotion to the Lord is so high that mother, father, husband,
1: wife. New wife. New new husband. wife.
2: Newly wed wife. Yeah. Yeah. I, my devotion to the Lord is greater than even my devotion to her it, it, on our honeymoon. Yeah. Uh, it has to be so. Nothing compares, nothing can compare to my devotion to the Lord. Yes. Um, uh, Now, think about that. Someone said, well, that's kind of, that's kind of, don't you think that's kind of mean and demanding of God that he would be even more important than your mate? No, because he knows that if I I live that way and if she lives that way, if God is first in my life and God is first in her life, then our life together is going to be ideal. Right. Right, right, right. God knows. God knows what works, and He instructs us in that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, Deuteronomy six twenty four says, "The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always." God's rules are for our good, and that's why He put it that way. He didn't put it that way because He wanted to be m- mean. You know, I'm going to tell them they I've got to be more important than their wife. I've got to be I more important. See how, what, see how yeah, they yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. No, He said it that way because He knew if we would put that prioritized
1: order in place. Things would work out the best. All right. Uh, certainly. Um, in the chat room, Joe in West Virginia says, "In a new marriage, the Christian spouse should interact, even in arguments, with the influence of the Holy Spirit, and heated discussions should be paused for prayer." Hard to have a heated discussion, an ugly discussion, if you're setting, if you're stopping yeah. to pray in the middle of
2: it. Yeah. You know, there's a there, there's an interesting statement. Peter made an interesting statement. Uh in First uh, Peter 3, he says, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Mm-hmm. Get along with your husband. Get along with your wife so that your prayers don't be... You know, it, it, probably all of us have had the occasion to, to experience this, unfortunately. But, you know, Pretty hard to sit down and pray, right, if you haven't been have just had a big argument with your wife, you know. So what do you do? Well, you maintain your right relationship with your husband and wife, so that it's not hard to sit down and
1: pray to God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Good. Uh, Timothy says, "My uncle is." Then this is uh on your own yoked yoked uh, comments. We may pass on that. Uh, Kevin says, "Discussion about whether one of us might have an excuse for lack of service is one that was important to our marriage." <laughs> What can get in the way of my service? Uh, This will tell the heart of each spouse. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, Thank you, Kevin. Again, another point to say to a young married couple is what we were already saying earlier in regards to the fact is you you got to view this marriage as a permanent thing. This is I cannot throw the towel in. I can't quit. I got to make it work. Now, you know, that's that that seems like something that you wouldn't even talk to a uh, a newlyweds about. But i tell you, it doesn't take too long after the honeymoon's over for some issues to pop up, you know. Right. He doesn't he doesn't close the lid on the toilet, you know. Yeah. She squeezes the toothpaste tube in the middle. I like to push it up from the end, to keep it all, you know, pushed up. Yeah. You know, and so we, what happened? We begin to we begin to start seeing the little quirks, you know. I didn't know she was I didn't know she did that no. I didn't know he would do that no. and so we start seeing you know some things that we didn't see you know because we're living with each other now we're, we're together 24/ seven you know and so we see all the good, bad and ugly uh, so what do you do you, you remember this is a commitment I made a promise before God and men that this would be my mate for life and now I got to make it work
1: you know you think about you do that with the things that you plan on having for a while. Your vehicle. You know, you get a vehicle that you plan on keeping till the wheels fall off of it. What do you do with it? You work on it. You maintain it. You take care of it. Because you've got an investment in it. But what about what about a vehicle? Math, I'm going to get a new one in six months. Well, you might let a few things slide. And so it is with our marriage. If we realize that this is something that's going to be with me for the rest of my life, then I work on maintaining yeah. it. Uh,
2: Paul said, so, somewhat. I think Joe mentioned Ephesians 5 earlier in the chat room, Ephesians 5:28. so... so Ought men to love their wives as their own bodies? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it, cherisheth it. You know, I, you know, we care for our bodies. You know, I, I got a, I got a sore on my finger. I'm just going to cut the finger off. No, I got a sore on my finger. I'm going to doctor that thing and I'm going to make it well because that's part of me. Right. And that's the way Paul says I've got. We've got to view our our spouses. All right.
1: Should we grab? Let's grab our. Yeah, we break. got a break. We're overdue. Let's, uh, let's take a break,
2: break. when we get back. You guys in the chat room, we're talking about. Give us some advice. What you think, young, married, newly married? Not, and by the way, not necessarily just young, but newly married. Because some
1: people are older, you know, and newly married. Only new, older newly married. All right, we'll take a break. Get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
0: Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial.
1: Hello, my name is Kent Baumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us.
2: We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In 2015, there were over 2.2 billion searches for pornography on the Internet. Nine out of ten Internet porn users only access free material. One in five mobile searches are for porn. of smartphone owners admit to having pornographic material on their phone. By 2017, it's estimated a quarter of a billion people will be accessing porn from their phones or tablets, an increase of more than 30% in the last five years. That information is via covenant eyes. The Word of God says in Matthew 5, beginning verse 27... You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart.
0: And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. We're
1: back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about instructions for those who are newly married now in this part of the program. Um,
2: I would say... That, that the big key here is you've got to be unselfish in a marriage relationship. Uh, I think probably all problems in the marriage relationship have at a, at least a, a a root cause, if not the main root cause, selfishness. Yeah. You know, if I'm selfishly motivated, my marriage is not going to go well. If I'm in it just looking out for number one, you know, just for me, me, and what, what mine, I get out of it? Me and mine. Let's take care of this. You know, this is what I want. Then that's not going to go well. So we got to be unselfish. We, we already referenced Ephesians five, verse twenty-five. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, of course, Christ is the picture of selflessness. Yes. Uh, you know, he, he gave himself completely for his bride, the church. And so we got to be unselfish. Uh, If we're going to make it work, that same text, Ephesians five verses twenty-two and twenty-three, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, The unselfish wife can put up with that. She she can, she can, and will submit because she's not selfishly determined to have her own way. And God's plan is for the wife to submit to the husband, for the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and for the wife to submit. To her husband as unto the Lord. Well, the husband who loves, who who unselfishly loves his wife like Christ loved the church, that's good on his part. The wife who it, will, it loves her husband and will su- submit as she does to the Lord. That, put that together, you got a workable situation. Nobody's
1: trying. Nobody. But it can't be about me. Yeah, nobody's running over the other person with that with that approach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's each one is concerned about serving the other.
2: Yeah, exactly. All right. So, you've uh, got to be unselfish.
1: All right. Uh, Joe in the chat room says, In a new marriage there are many biblical principles that can make life easier. Do not take vengeance. and not Do not be quick to think evil of the mate. Give in to the spouse when the point is not worth a fight.
2: I think that's good. I and think that's good. The
1: point isn't worth a fight if it's not an issue of right or wrong, so we can give in.
2: And Kevin adds, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I can't say enough about focusing on this regardless of what others around us, even what our mate is doing. You know, that's an important point. I was going to make that point too, Kevin, you know, I'm obligated to do the right thing even if my mate's not doing the right thing. Right. You know. Uh you know, so so she's not you know, she's she's not I just don't think she's I just don't think she's right. My wife is she's not right. She's not doing the right thing. Well that doesn't give me any excuse not to do the right thing.
1: She's not treating me right, so I won't treat her right.
2: Yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. You can't you can't do that. Yeah. Because you know, the the whole idea of individual accountability passages like Romans 14, beginning verse 11, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Mm. Uh, you know, individual accountability, I, I got to do the right thing, even if my wife is not doing the right thing. And and again, you, you, you don't think about that for newlyweds, but I'll tell you, it doesn't take very long down the marriage road before you have to begin to say, you have to come to grips with those kind of concepts because over time we begin to see sort of uh, the less than perfect side of the one we married
1: and so rather than using that as an excuse for us to not live as we should we have to live as we should and encourage each other to, to grow rather than to just decay yeah. uh, and uh, Tim Timothy says uh, an oxymoron advice I give to newly married individuals is don't listen to everyone's advice thank them for their suggestion and take it with a grain of salt communication is the biggest thing uh issue for my wife and i if you don't discuss issues they cannot be i had that point too problems.
2: tim i had that point too communication uh a key element r- really a key element in all interpersonal relationships is is ability to communicate with one another i mean I, if, that, that's all relationships and here's the most intimate relationship of all why would we think that communication is not important it's very important um uh, you know, I, I've, over the years, unfortunately, there's been occasion to have to get involved and try to help people who had marriages that were in really bad shape. And in every one of those, the problems that they're dealing with have led to a breakdown in communication. They're not talking. They're not, they're not talking to each other. They're not communicating. They're not, they're not working. Right. You know, uh, remember that text I read earlier, 1 Peter 3 7, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together, the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered.
1: Yeah, there's one. That, I'm that going work? to
2: dwell with my wife according to knowledge. How do I get that knowledge?
1: You're going to dwell with her according to what I think she wants.
2: You know, I, I get that knowledge so I can dwell with her according. I get that knowledge from God's word, but I also get it from listening to her. Right. You know, what is it that she needs me to do? Yeah. What what kind of problems am I presenting in this situation? And if I would listen to her, if I would communicate about that, well, we might be able to work it out. So communication. I think Tim's right in that Com- communicating is a very important thing.
1: Your thoughts on that uh, weaker vessel there? Quickly, we're about out of time, but uh, that weaker vessel—that physically? Well, I think it is. Uh, I think there's a physical part of that.
2: I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's saying that women are weaker spiritual beings than men.
1: I think uh, I've I've heard discussion that it is uh, her position. But it might be or, or in or the, the headship headship yeah. thing. Yeah.
2: She's weaker in the sense that she's not uh, she doesn't have the headship authority. Now that might be, but yeah. but in, in regards to spiritual strength, yeah. I've I known a lot of women are way stronger. But, than so, their But but cousins.
1: if if it is that, and that then men need to be mindful of the fact that she's going to have to submit to this decision, and and not make it we can it, make it easy on her.
2: That's right. Yeah. I think I think that probably has something to do with that. All right. uh Um. Kevin mentions watching a movie that's out there called "The War Room," uh, focused on deference to the other and putting prayer first in life. That's I think that's I don't I haven't seen that movie. I've heard about it, but I don't really know that much about it. But it has it has to do with the War Room is the I think the War Room is going uh, involved in prayer. You know, say, uh, say again,
0: Kyle. I've uh, I've watched over actually at Josh and uh, Kristen's house one day. At, uh, it's it's a it is filled with uh, some denominationalism. You have to sift through uh, a lot of things, but it is uh, the war room. It's the prayer closet, going into your closet yeah. and praying and working through things, and it's deferring, I guess, uh, one wishes to the other. But yeah, so which I was. Okay.
2: Yeah. You think
0: it's worth watching? It, it, which I think so. If it's if you're gonna, you just have to be mindful of yeah. all the other. Uh, influences in it but it's 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 not a bad movie it really isn't It's Uh, really a positively motivated movie
1: and and maybe kevin's referring to that when he says i can't do or think ill selfishly sinfully if i'm in prayer yeah and uh, kevin says sin is primarily selfishness that is a common theme tonight and plays a major role in our marriage as well as our service to god
2: yeah uh in regards to communication one point about communication that is a hard one but necessary one is when you're wrong Say so?
1: Wow! Uh, Come on now. Uh,
2: you know, it seems like it's harder to to admit your wrongs to people you're closest to. You know, if I bumped into a stranger on the street, it's oh, I'm sorry. You know, but it's harder for some reason for people to say I'm sorry or I was wrong to the people they're closest to, which doesn't really make sense to me. You know, Jesus taught a principle in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five twenty three. If you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your mate has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy mate, mm. and then come and offer thy gift. You know, you, you're, you're, you know, you substituted course, I substituted the word. Subset, there. I substituted the word. Jesus was talking. If you have your, if if your brother has aught against you, but I, I put in mate. The principle would apply, wouldn't it? Right. In other words, I, I should not even try to worship God if if I've got an issue, I've wronged my mate. Mm-hmm. And I haven't made it right. Right. But a lot of times what people do is, you know, and you see this so often in marriages, especially in marriages where there is trouble. They never deal with things. And they just think that time, time, you know, takes care of that. And they just kind of sweep it under the rug. And they, But what you do is you, you start, you keep that just really things, unresolved things continue to build up. Mm-hmm. And there's friction and tension there because you haven't been dealing with your issues, and
1: that thing will erupt and it will explode eventually. Yeah. All right. So yes, if you're wrong, say so. Deal with your issues the way the scriptures have instructed us to deal with them.
2: Yeah. Uh, a lot of things to think about for the newly married. So tonight, what we dealt with, Jacob, was people never married. What should you, especially, what should you be looking for in a mate as you contemplate marriage? And we talked about those who are newly married. Uh, the areas we want to go to, next week we're going to be talking about, what, what does the Scripture say to those who may have been married for a long time? Right. What prin- biblical principles apply? What about the widowed? And then we're going we're to take on the subject of divorce from a biblical point of view. Uh, uh, we, we have had for a long time a, a regular emailer named Bill from Texas who disagrees with us about marriage marriage and divorce, he believes there is no biblical exception for divorce. Uh, God does not allow divorce and remarriage for any reason. That's his position. We're not going to get into that until we get clear through with what we're going to say here. But I've promised him that we will deal with his position. We don't agree with his position, but we will deal with it uh, when, when, after we've concluded these other thoughts.
1: All right. So we'll look forward to that. We'll, and when we're done, we'll have covered every possible combination scenario here that that we could have in our lives and the scriptures will touch on each and every one of those uh joe uh timothy actually uh has a good comment to conclude with tonight love and respect are important a wife needs to feel loved and a husband needs to feel respected on the on the other side a wife needs to be lovable and a husband respectable don't force the other to do for you but do for the other and uh Joe says, in marriage, some of the greatest arguments are because of perceptions This that may not be true. So mates should always keep lines of that's uh, open.
2: Especially shows why communication is important.
1: All right. We've got excellent comments in the chat room tonight. This has been a, well, almost a hot-button topic tonight, a good discussion. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you'd like to continue the discussion, we'll welcome your comments at any time, questions at collegeview.com. If you've got a question about any Bible subject, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And if you have a suggestion for what you'd like to hear discussed on a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, send that in. we got a suggestion tonight on one of our emails. I don't know if you noticed that or not, uh, but we consider that. Uh, and we uh, look forward to hearing from you. Again, questions at com. Kyle, thanks for your time tonight. It's always good to be here. Good to have you with us. And, Dad, thank you for this thank Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for joining us on the program. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.